if and when we remake Cabaret, does Timothy Chalamet reprise his role that he played in high school as the MC? Is that what we want to see? Um, uh, yeah. So, I will, yeah. <laughs> I will say on one part, the MC really does need to be played by a gay man. I was going to say, you. I hope you're going to say a gay person. Yeah. because it, The MC eats such a, uh, an over-the-top role, and no one pays her under the top. Uh, True. Especially if, if a movie was made using the Rob Marshall conception, it it would have to be a queer man or right. a queer person. Well, and they've just been having sure. Alan Cumming do it for the last twenty years, so like, why stop now? And he he frankly yeah. he still could. Right. Oh, absolutely. That's the whole like he he can still do it. Which then begs the question: I don't think Timothy could play another role in that musical. It's been a minute since I've seen it, but the the yeah, it's the been a lead, while for me. The lead he, guys, I don't know if that's like Timmy's flavor. I mean, it's one of those. If you look at the role, if you look at like the the movie, the Bob Fosse classic, um, and the way it's cast with Michael York and the other guy, it would be an interesting dynamic to have it be a little bit older, but have it be Timmy and Army still. Oh, because <laughs> like the other guy's like this kind of like <laughs> big blonde man. Um, in deep in my heart of hearts, I think Cabaret is a movie that is good enough that it doesn't need to be remade. Oh no, absolutely not. I think Hello Dolly could be remade because well, that movie we, is. We need Bette Mid- We need we need Bette Midler filmed as as Dolly is what it needs to happen. Wasn't what didn't that, they didn't they just do a revival? Yeah, with, wasn't it with Bette and uh, David Head Pierce? Well, yeah. my dream for Hello Dolly is. That we do a we do a full black cast of it like they mm. did in 1967, and we have Queen Latifah as um, as oh, Dolly or done. or someone done. like RuPaul or Billy Porter um, in the in the Dolly role. Um, Ooh, Billy Porter would be just, a really good Dolly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, oh, I yeah. can't believe I teed up such a great Timmy segue from the MC to Cabaret, and then we just really just sped right through the station and went right to Hello Dolly. That was well, really... sometimes sometimes you have to really speed through things and just make them happen anyway, which is a lot like how SNL is made every week. <laughs> First of all, we, we should table set that this is a very special, unique episode of, uh, of Chasing Chalamet because it is the first time we are covering an episode of television and not a movie. Um, as people who are familiar with the filmography of Timothy Chalamet, he has done TV work. It is not below him. So him being on SNL is not unique for his, you know, his, his performances and his choices as an actor. But it is the first time we're covering an episode on this podcast. So it's interesting because a lot of the questions we tend to ask are, you know, how how is how one of the things we ask is how is Timothy kind of serving the movie? What is his role? mean in the context of the film whereas all his role means in the context of snl is each week they have a host and they gotta have somebody do it <laughs> and this week it was him so we just can close the door on that question but I'm, i am really excited to talk about um saturday night live kind of like what you were saying will this is a show they make every week so i'm not going in in uh will and Tori, i'll let you guys kind of jump in with your thoughts as well as i introduce you but I am not going to judge this 
episode of SNL to the same degree I would judge one of his movies because it's a completely different beast. You know, no. it's not only is it television, it's sketch comedy. It's a show they put together in a week. Timothy really just kind of shows up to be the host. And of course, each host, you know, lends their flavor and their flair to the material. But it is not, you know, I don't want to downplay the work that he did in the episode because I think he brings a very actorly um, performance-driven quality to the sketches. But this is not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and analyze his performance in the way I would in A Little Women or A Lady Bird or Call Me By Your Name. So... That's kind of what I'm bringing to the table. However, will my guest do the same? I don't know. Uh, Tori, I'm so excited to have you on Chasing Chalamet, not only because you are an OG fan. I didn't even have to, like, poach you from, you know, the nethers of the internet to get you to be on the show. You've been very vocal about wanting to be on the show, so <laughs> I didn't even have to feel bad. I would, someone argued too vocal. <laughs> No, it's it's great. Uh, I'm so excited to have Tori Dunlap here on the show. And um, Tori, I know one of the things that you said was you were so excited to be on a show and not have to talk about money and what it is you do in your professional life. But if you could indulge me for a second and just tell the audience what it is that you do and uh, kind of what your background is, I would love for that. Sure. Yeah, thank you for having me. I was, I've posted about this before that I kind of have bullied you both into, into forced friendship around Timothy Chalamet. So uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I run Her First 100K, which is a money and career platform for women. So I fight patriarchy by uh, giving women actionable resources around how to better their money. So that is my day, uh, my day-to-day profession. I I'm an entrepreneur. I am yeah, a globally recognized now personal finance speaker and coach. And we have a community of almost a million uh, financial feminists over at Her First 100K. And then, uh, yeah, at five o'clock when I put the laptop away, it's a lot of Timothy Chalamet consumption. Right. Um, so, and even in my, anybody who follows me on Instagram knows, like, you're going to get money content. You also are just going to have to deal with a pretty constant stream of Timothy Chalamet uh, related content as well. Yeah, absolutely, as it should be. So uh, th- before before we get too far away from it, thank you for fighting the good fight. Because as as much as we can tear down the patriarchy here at Chasing Chalamet, the work that we do uh, is nothing in comparison to the work you're doing. So um, while you while you are doing your part to keep the Timothy thirst going, we will hold that down as you tear down uh, the patriarchy. Rest assured. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for your service. <laughs> Great. So yeah, let's, uh, like I said, this is kind of going to be a much different beast of an episode just because we're approaching a different kind of format. Um, so I think a great place to start is just to kind of take the show, you know, sketch by sketch. And, you know, I, I you know, took some time. I, I, so I watched the episode last night. And actually, you know what? Before we jump into that, Tori, your background, obviously, um, your bona fides are clear. But tell me about how you came to um, know about Timothy Chalamet. Like, what brought you into the fandom uh, for him? It's actually a really cool story. So my best friend, my female best friend and I, we take a honeymoon type trip every year and we call it friend moon. So we go on this honeymoon trip as platonic best friends and traverse around wherever we've chosen and, you know, eat really good food and basically just tell each other how much we love each other for like 10 days. Um, so we decided we were going to take a road trip through Italy in 2019 and she had seen call me by your name when it first came out, loved it. 
uh, and I hadn't seen it yet, but it was on my list. I knew who Timothy Chalamet was. I was like, okay, he's cute. Had no other context. So I'm on the plane to Italy. She's asleep beside me. I'm watching Call Me By Your Name, bawling on the plane. Like you And do. then the soundtrack. Yeah, like we do. And then the soundtrack became like the soundtrack for our trip. So every morning we, one of us would, so it became a game that one of us would play mystery of love before the other person could. And that's how we woke up every morning. And we have all of these videos of us like traversing Italy and eating pasta and literally eating peaches uh, to the, to the soundtrack of call me by your name. So I had never, I mean, he was, he's so charismatic in call me by your name, especially. And it was just one of those moments where you just see somebody and you completely fall in love with who they are on screen. And I got home and then everything kind of went down from there. I got deep into it, started watching all the filmography, was just very, very obsessed with him, with Call Me By Your Name, and then later with what that movie meant to my best friend. Um, and so I met Army Hammer earlier this year, like cried in front of him, tried to keep it together. It didn't work oh very well. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just been, it's been really cool. So it's this added element of like, of course, me being obsessed with him as an actor and then me getting introduced to him through this amazing role and, and also tied to this really amazing time in my life. Like I, we had the best 10 days we'd ever had just, just enjoying Italy and yeah, telling each other how much we loved each other. So yeah, that's how I got introed to, uh, that's incredible. To amazing. I love that. Did, did you, did you meet Army cause you went and saw him on Broadway or did you just in your freshman? I did. Interesting. Okay. I did. Yeah. I saw him in, oh my gosh, I can't even remember the name of the play now. Oh, I can't, I can't believe I don't remember. I have the playbill right behind me. I could go grab it. But, um, yeah, I was in New York literally like a week before COVID got really serious. I was there like the first week of March, went and saw him at a matinee, stood outside. He didn't come out. I went and saw six. Do you guys know six? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I went and saw six that night. They were still in previews and I got tickets to six and then six is a one act. It's like 80, 90 minutes. So then I went back. Yeah. Oh, the minutes. That's what it is. Called the minutes. Then went back to the minutes and five minutes later, out walks Army Hammer. Amazing. And he's beautiful and tall and amazing. Right. So all, all yeah. six four of him. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's tall and then you meet him and you're like, Oh, oh gosh. So Hello. Yeah. Actually, I th- you are so tall. It's, it's I, with Timothy. I think it's probably the lankiness and the, the the general skinniness of him, but he seems so much taller than he is. Like I know he's like five ten or something. Yeah. But even though in that movie, John Mulaney would say he's six one or Anna ten floor Mulaney, right. but yeah. exactly no <laughs> completely. So let's let's. I think this is gonna be best for the format. Um, I think if we take. SNL kind of sketch by sketch and talk sure. through it all and we can kind of maybe glaze over the parts that he's not in aka the cold the open and weekend update that might be the best and you, I, you know I'm, you know, of course I, I don't plan anything ahead of time so I haven't thought about how we can <laughs> rework the peach scale because I don't know if I guess we could talk about the hair but it would be almost unfair to rate some of those wigs the hair was barely there because I thought about it too. I was like, I know we're going to have to rate the hair, but it was, it's there for the monologue. And I'm trying to I, think what else. almost I think exclusively it was just... in the monologue because everything else is high school haircut. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's the monologue. Yeah, it was monologue, and then it was him, like, saying goodbye at the yeah, end. Yeah, and then I guess when he, like, that was pretty much when it. he intros, I guess... Oh, and then Harry Styles' hair. That was his hair. That oh, was... yeah, they had kind of slicked it yeah. down with gel. Well, let, let's, yep. well, let's, just, let's, let's just let's, talk through all yeah. the looks and everything, and then and then we'll rate at the end like normal and just see how that goes. Absolutely. Let's... Yeah, and I have I have notes, and what I've done is just taken notes per sketch, so oh, we can too. go that way, too. Tori... <laughs> as 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 the as as all wild feminists do has showed up so much more prepared than Will and I and uh could not be could not be more grateful for that. Um <laughs> so let's dive in. So cold open, uh and Will, I'll I'll kind of give a peek behind the curtain here. You were you were messaging me and I believe your first message to me was, Well, this cold open is bad. And I stand by that. I feel like the cold open of SNL uh, is always kind of either the chance for them to completely set the tone for the show, or like this week it was like, hey, this is what's happening in the world, and 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 I'll and I'll be honest and say that um, the only other episode of SNL I've watched this year has been the Adele episode, so I'm not as aware of what the content of the sketches and the cold opens has been. But I kind of gathered from... It's not been great. <laughs> yeah, I kind of gathered from this episode that they've just been kind of hitting the highlights with, you know, the pandemic and how the Trump administration has shit the bed with our government. Yeah, I was having a couple of conversations with friends because, of course, everybody messaged me and they were like, what'd you think? Yeah. So the general episode notes for me... I mean, this whole season's been a struggle. I feel like even the writers at SNL are suffering from the COVID-based depression we all are, where, like, just the writing hasn't been great. Uh, Jim Carrey as Joe Biden has just been really awkward for me. Like, the it's just not, jokes aren't hitting in the way they normally do, and whether that's, you know, the audience just not responding or whether it's the actual jokes just not being great, Who's to say? Yeah. But I felt like this was another episode in the line of this season where, like, timing was just really slow the whole episode. Just, like, jokes were not coming quick. It was just, like, these long, like, awkward gaps. And that's what we've seen throughout the season. And then, to your point about the cold open, yeah, it, it 100% sets the tone. And we got very minimal audience engagement. And I think that that continued throughout the entire show. And we all know if you're doing something live in front of an audience and the audience is giving you nothing, you can be the best actor in the world and it's still going to be a struggle. So I feel like, yeah, cold open writing was fine. I thought there were some really funny jokes. Kate McKinnon's great. Heidi was great. But there was a lot of just audience was not engaged and it it yeah set the tone for the rest of the episode yeah it felt very it nothing it was all very expected like it was just i think it was exactly yeah it, it wouldn't have been hard for anybody with any sort of like comedy background or basic understanding of how snl works to kind of guess that's exactly what was going to happen and then even seeing you know like beck bennett as wolf blitzer and then kate and uh heidi gardner like it, you just knew what those jokes were going to be like they're going to make fun of the fact that anthony fauci is short they're going to make fun of the fact that like wolf blitzer right. is this just like absolute like foghorn of a newscaster you know like it was just it was it was just very expected and i think that going into it knowing because sometimes sometimes the hosts show up in the cold open a lot of times they don't I wasn't kind of, like, on edge for the cold open. Like, I was really like, okay, like, they're going to open the show, mm -hmm. credits, monologue. I was like, then we'll get going. So even though I thought the cold open was very just kind of meh, I was just, like, 
fine with it. I was like, all right, like, let's get through it. Let's get to the monologue. Like, let's get this going. Yeah. So, much like us needing to talk about it, I'm fine to leave, segue right past the cold open. (laughs) Yeah, Um, onto the monologue. Sounds good. Onto the monologue, which a lot of my, I don't want to say fear, because I was very excited to watch him host. Something I was anticipating was that he was, because when we've seen Timothy in interviews, he is a very manic, awkward God, yeah. presence. Like, he, much mm. like Chloe Feynman's uh, impersonation of him, he is all limbs, and they're always mo- It's like... Nah, 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 Right, nah. exactly. It's, it's like when you watch Woody in Toy Story. Like, he's just constantly limbs flapping everywhere. Um, so, when he came out and did the monologue, and was so... Not stoic, like he was. He was personable. He was funny. I really liked the kind of like him sitting at the piano and doing like the talk singing thing. I really enjoyed it all. I think it took me a second to like ex- to understand what he was doing because I was expecting this like manic Timothy like force of nature, and he kind of just came out and like did the job. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like I, I'm not saying that in a he was just a workman SNL host and he came out and did this. He really came out and was like. I'm here, and I'm here to host SNL, and this is what I'm here to do. It was very understated. Yeah, which, you know, he came out, like, in that yeah. red jacket, and I was like, ooh, like, he's here, he's looking sexy, the hair is it's pushed a good back, look. like... The red jacket? Uh, yeah, mm. the jacket was great. I mean, we knew he... Chef's kiss. We knew he was gonna look good, but, you know, that's that's a given. Yeah, and I, as someone who, you know, we consume the celebrity content, we think we know these people, right? So as someone who has consumed, of course, my fair share of Timothy content, I have had the same conflict where he is so confident and charismatic in his, you know, in in, in his on-screen roles. And not to say, like, he's a different kind of charismatic when he's awkward and fumbling and super anxious and, like, can't look anybody in the eye. And so I think we got work Timothy, like, we got work Timothy yes. last night, which was like, nope, I'm here to do a job. Yeah, You're exactly right. Sure. Like, I'm here to do a job. I'm here to be an actor. And there's going to be moments where, like, I can, you know, zoom out and say, like, oh, I'm hosting SNL. Isn't this crazy? Uh, but I think, yeah, he was there to do a job. And, I mean, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But, like, didn't really read cue cards, mm-hmm. was great about that, and was very – he was, like, yeah, he was there to work. He was there to be actor Timothy, not – interview timothy yeah you're so right and i think i think in hindsight now i can like see that in like the backstage photos they posted because like you know they show him like with his script like with his mask on like interacting with the writers and everything and like yes he 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 showed up to do the job and you can you can tell underneath he's he is that kid from hell's kitchen who's like holy shit i'm hosting snl but you're so right Right. like like he does in his on-screen roles he shows up and does the job because he is a capital a actor and any interview you read that, you know, has sources discussing Timothy, like working with Timothy, that's what they say is like, yeah, he's he's in his 20s, but he's this old soul who shows up and is really good at what he does. Right. And so, yeah, I feel like that's how he approached SNL was just like any other acting job is, yeah, I'm going to show up and we're going to we're going to take this super seriously. But of course, it's a comedy show. Right. So but and, and yeah. even when that happens, these little like edges of his personality came out like there seemed to be that moment. Oh, totally. <laughs> during the monologue where like the piano rolled in and it kind of seemed like something didn't go right and he like apologized yep <laughs> and i was just like he apologized i counted it it was like yeah. three different times before we even cut to commercial he apologized about the piano and then he after you know the thing the back and forth with pete davidson and he goes you know we got a great show he turns to pete 
off mic and you can see his lips just go, dude, I'm sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. And I was just cracking up. I'm like, of course he's apologizing. We're like two seconds into the show and he's already apologizing. Right. And it's like, you're like, my dude, like Pete's like third edible is already hitting. Like, he's not mad at you. Yeah. Like, no. he's, he doesn't fucking care. He doesn't care. <laughs> What I what I had in my brain. So uh, if you know me, my two my two men are Timothy Chalamet and John Mulaney. Ironically, so my it, it just kept the John Mulaney bit about the happy birthday sign just kept going in my head, where he like warns the audience at the beginning of his special, like I need you to keep this energy the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like I need you to be yeah. able to write the happy birthday sign without running yeah. out of room. And this is what fucking happened, where we got the audience who was like laughing and super engaged. Or at least the most engaged they were the entire episode, and then they completely tapered off after the monologue, yeah. which is again so hard because you're just you're kind of leaving him out to dry and leaving not just Timothy but all of the other cast members. So yeah, it it was one of those moments in watching the monologue back again this morning after watching it live. I was like, oh, they're really engaged, and that did not continue for the rest of the show. Yeah, which is and Will, I think you you said this to me in our in our exchange and, and we'll get into this as we talk about those segments but it is really in those like pre-recorded segments where SNL tends to shine nowadays because i think that you know when you yeah. when you start getting into like the Andy Samberg late 2000s digital short era that's where they know the laughs are and that's where they know people are going to like rewatch the clips over and over again so the live sketches kind of fall by the wayside to be pre-planned because with the pre-recorded, they can do music, they can do all these things. And, you know, when it's, when a piano doesn't come in correctly, it's not a big deal because they can shoot it again. And you kind of rely a little bit less yeah. on audience at, at reaction when it's live. So I think that'll be kind of something that we, we, we get into as we kind of go through and work through these sketches. But it would be to the benefit of the sketches for them to not have that audience anticipation in their brains if they were to just keep moving forward because like we were talking about in the cold open the energy is just so low because they're anticipating they're anticipating laughs Mm -hmm. and when those don't happen there's silence so if you just kind of move forward and just kind of roll with the punches and don't prepare those pauses might help out a little bit right yeah. And that's the delicate thing as an actor, right? Is you get trained, you know, when when you're in acting school is to anticipate when people are going to laugh so you can, you know, so your your words aren't covered up by people laughing. So you have that mixed with you're exactly right, this like slow timing when you're expecting it, but then it doesn't happen. So you get these long pauses of like I'm expecting somebody to laugh. And very few people do, or it doesn't extend as long. And even Weekend Update, which usually gets, is really, people are engaged. Like, these laughs were a lot mm-hmm. shorter, I felt like, than normal. So, yeah, yeah I'm totally with you there. Right. Um, from monologue, we went into uh, that coronavirus sketch where it was uh, yeah. the family with the parents, played by Cecily Strong and Beck Bennett, uh, Mama and Papa Corona, their daughter coming home from school <laughs> with her boyfriend. Um, and then Timothy playing kind of the bad boy, black sheep of the family who wants to get the vaccine. And this, this kind of plays into what you were saying, Tori, about how the audience kind of started to taper off, which I'll say, like, this wasn't my favorite sketch of the night. Um, I it's thought there a were bad kind of funny moments. Yeah. It's, it, it was definitely one of the weakest. And I think that 
Oh no, oh no, Tori liked it. Oh no, we're sitting on it. I actually completely disagree. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I thought this was like the strongest sketch of the night, oh. if I'm being honest. <laughs> like, I thought it was the strongest oh. sketch of the night by far. I thought the re- like, it felt like classic 70s SNL, cheesy as hell. Yeah. And I love that, okay. personally. Like, I thought it was, I thought it was really funny. I, yeah, I thought it was, in terms of timing, it was great. We also had Bo and Yang, who, that was the only appearance I think he made the entire oh, show. Yeah. Which is such a bummer, because I really wanted a Bo and Timothy, like, comedy duo, oh, and that didn't happen. It is strange that um, they relied but, so much yeah. on the Timothy and Pete dynamic, when I would have loved to have seen him with, a Bowen sketch or any, I mean, and, and we'll get into it. I liked everything he did with Pete. I thought it was funny, but now that you bring that up, yeah. like it is weird that they only paired him with Pete and didn't give any of any really other people like a moment to try to do like a duo comedy thing. With him. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that, that still strikes me for this whole episode is that they didn't, they didn't capitalize on anything that Timmy's famous for. Yeah. At yes. all. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of easy to grasp low hanging fruit around Timmy to do something (laughs) with, you know, obsessive stands or to do something call me by your name related. It just felt really, it was really surprising to me that they didn't do that at all. Yeah. It felt like, oh, here's, we'll lump him in with resident young person, Pete Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Like. And we expected we expected them to to have some sketches together because the internet would have like murdered mm-hmm. SNL if they didn't. But yeah, I I completely agree. I expected some sort of like reference besides Chloe Fineman playing mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet to his larger work. And maybe they thought they're like, no, that's overplayed. We'll we'll not do that. But yeah, I felt well, like and, it was lacking. And so too. many yeah. of the sketches that are in the show don't they feel like anyone could have done what Timmy was. Yes assigned to do yeah it's like oh well yeah. okay well that's it that's didn't fine. really seem it didn't really seem like they built any sketches around him mm-hmm. which not that that needs to be every sketch and i think the closest we get to self-referential is probably timothy playing harry styles which obviously we'll talk yeah. about but you're right like i didn't necessarily want to see like oh, like, let's get a sketch where, like, Bowen Yang plays a peach and then Timmy wants to have sex with it. Like, I didn't, <laughs> like, I didn't want it to be that obvious, but you're right, Will, like, bringing something up about, like, stan culture, or I even mm-hmm. think um, something I would have loved to see is, like, a sketch um, back when Harry Styles hosted last year. I can't remember. Was that last mm-hmm. year when he hosted? And it was the Julio Torres sketch where he played, like, the social media manager at, like, Sarah Lee. That, like, yep. that to me would have been a perfect sketch for Timothy to do. Like, even though I didn't want them to necessarily yeah. like, repeat sketch ideas, like, having him play... Well, they've done that. Yeah. They've done that sketch, like, three or four times. It's a repeating sketch. So, yeah, to your point, I think that that would have slid in there. Right. Completely mm-hmm. organically and been a good fit. Right. And it's... it's it, On one hand, it's nice that they didn't rely on, like, the old standards, but then at the same time, you're like, well, some of those would work really well with this actor so you may as well do it but regardless i were you know i thought the corona the the corona sketch i think what i think what i enjoyed about it was it set the tone for how i think timmy approached the sketches which was as we've said he came in to be an actor and he 
he wasn't yep. playing the laughs. He was playing in, in in the coronavirus sketch. He was like, I am the straight man, and if I deliver these mm-hmm. like I'm delivering like James Dean lines in Rebel Without a Cause, that is what's going to be funny, not me like hamming it up. So I think what I liked about the sketch was realizing that's how he was going to approach the show, was as the actor and not, I'm here to play a part in a sketch and I'm going to try to be really, really big because I'm here hosting and I want to, you know, give the people what they want. You know what I mean? Like, he, it was like, oh, he's yeah. showing up to be in the ensemble of this sketch show. Yeah, and I feel like, uh, is it a, I think it's Judd Apatow that's like, comedy is drama just the people in it don't know it's funny yeah. and i think i mean mm-hmm. like cecily strong is one of my favorite people in snl because for that reason like she takes most of the sketches like she's a straight man and even in the coronavirus sketch she had that one scene where she's like why are you doing this to us and like she fully committed to the drama of that moment and that's what makes it funny and i think that he that timothy chose correctly to play these sketches as like yes i am an actor i'm coming into this and i'm playing this moment as it would be and then it'll be funny because we've committed to to the seriousness of the bit the audience just didn't get it. yeah i can i completely <laughs> agree um and and before i move on from it i i, I would want to shout out melissa Villasenor, who as spanish influenza yes. was absolutely hysterical that was Probably my uh, favorite part of the sketch. I, I, for, for multiple reasons, I feel like Melissa uh, Villasenor is maybe the, the cast MVP of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and we, 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 I don't want us to have to spend too much time on Weekend Update, but we will definitely give some time to Dolly that's the only thing. In, that's the only <laughs> thing in Weekend Update <laughs> that I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> All right. So dare we, so dare next... we move on to the, the return of Love the Cooper's Hair? The Lexus commercial. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. forgot about the Lexus commercial. Okay, as the per- as the resident personal finance person, regardless of Timothy, this is a sketch idea. Like this is something that I'm so glad it's is so discussed funny. because <laughs> it's it's we see these car commercials, and I've had conversations with other people who talk about money professionally, and we're like, these commercials are terrible. You're not like. How t- how crazy do you have to be to go out and buy your spouse a twenty five thirty thousand dollar car and have no conversation with them about <laughs> yeah. it? So I actually just really love the premise for this sketch because it's actually as nerdy as it sounds, something that I've thought about. Oh, I, oh absolutely! I think it was it was really well executed, and I think I think what I buying into obviously what you were saying too, Tori. I think like my in with it was you hear these car commercial jingles. I mean there are jokes every year about happy Honda days and like all of the holiday car commercial culture. Like they have entered the lexicon as things that we make. Toyota thon. Right. Toyota thon and everything. Yeah. So that was kind of my in with it where I thought it was funny. And then when it did the turn into like the financial instability of that decision, I was like, Oh, okay. They're like taking this further. This is funny. Um, so yeah, I, I did enjoy that. You think this costs (laughs) $5,000? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and also your neighbor who lent you money is sleeping with your <laughs> wife. And I But again to your guys' point, I think it was so smart that you guys said this. Is it just it did feel like this sketch could have been written five weeks ago for somebody absolutely. else? Absolutely. Like he's just playing the son, he's just playing the kid home from college and like every sketch. Right. So yeah, it did feel very much like we're just slot. Not every in. host can believably look like a teenage boy so yeah 
great point. That's true. And, and yes, Will, like you said, he, he got his Love the Coopers wig back. Uh, congratulations to him for that. Reunited after so many years. Um, I also, during this sketch, no, I had the thought, is Beck Bennett going to play his dad in every sketch? That was my exact same thought, especially when we have the farm, the the tiny horse mm-hmm. one later. It was Beck Bennett and Heidi, uh, Heidi Gardner again as his mom. And I was like, it like, I feel like half the cast, and I think they do this, but half the cast, I think, was, like, gone this episode. Yeah, like, it was... it was Or just showed up for one sketch. Yeah, I, I remember having the thought, like, kind of, when I fell off of watching SNL every single week, I feel like the role Heidi Gardner had, which was kind of, like, the female lead in every sketch used to be, like, Kate McKinnon or Cecily, and then coming in and seeing Heidi in most yeah. of those, I was like, oh, the dynamic and who leads these sketches week to week has definitely changed since I she, was, like, a regular SNL. She walker. has really she has really upped her Vanessa Bayer energy. Yes. Where she can kind of, like, yeah, play anything. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of ever-present. I think Kate's probably... Well, I know she's on her way out. It's just a matter of when. So I think they're trying to kind of shepherd in new people so it doesn't feel like such... As, as big of a loss, because it will be a loss when Kate and Cecily both leave. Yeah. But I think, yeah, they're trying, they're trying to kind of raise up the, the newer cast members. And she's, she's, I think she's not a featured player anymore. I think yeah. she's full cast. Yeah. So Heidi, Heidi. Yeah. And, um, and so is Ego Odom, which, uh, as I was saying last time I, yeah. I watched, Ego Odom was still a featured player. And I always worried, because I didn't feel like they featured her a lot. I was, I was always worried she was going to not make it into the regular cast just because I never felt like they got anything to do with her which why I, I was super excited to see the Dion Warwick sketch because I was like oh that is perfect for Ego Odom to lead so that was like one of my I was just I, like I just I cannot tell you how afraid I was they were going to give her the boot every year because I felt like she was a featured player for like yeah. three seasons so finally to see her like in the lead cast I was like breathing a sigh of relief so then we got a real commercial break and then came back with the Dion Warwick talk show which this was an interesting sketch for me not only because, obviously, like, there was a lot, it was obviously the place where they kind of came in and did impressions, and obviously Chloe Feynman eventually coming in and doing her impression of Timmy, but the the Dion Warwick discourse that occurred on Twitter, I kind of, like, tangentially saw, so I didn't totally understand what was happening. Like, obviously, the sketch does a good job of filling you in, but there was kind of the, this weird period during the week where I was like, why is Dion Warwick trending? What is she doing? So I, I right. so I kind of came into the sketch not totally understanding what all the fuss was about, and then being very pleasantly surprised. This, um, I I thought this was a very funny and well done sketch, just from the fact that it is, it is right on top of Dionne Warwick becoming getting on Twitter and making videos and talking about her niece helping her out and asking things and it. It really fit with the this trending narrative of how her week has been on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I feel like the audience though didn't know what they were watching, which was the bummer. Of like, if you didn't mm-hmm. know, if you hadn't watched, you know, this this drama unfold on Twitter, uh, not even drama, but just just the hilarity, then you had no idea, really. And yeah, they do intro it, but you don't really get why it's funny. And it was, for me, another example of a really funny sketch that got very little interaction and engagement. I think that I think everything that we 
have said and seen is part of the problem with having a small invited audience, which I still have, yeah. I have safety concerns about, um, that it's, oh, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't entirely work. So it would, it might even behoove them to do this in a void without an audience and just power through. Yeah. Because it is it does create such a weird dynamic um as a viewer at home. Yeah. It also feels weird yeah, at I home agree. watching something with a live audience react after the last like nine months. It we it reads odd. Yeah, especially when it's not good. How are people gathering? Like what is going on? Like it doesn't it doesn't compute anymore for our brains to think of people like in mass enjoying some sort of like cultural event. Yeah. But obviously the 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 elephant in the room is Timothy coming on and playing Harry Styles which is just beautiful on so many meta levels between the friendship that yeah. they have um I'm going to blank on what publication it was for but I know that Harry and Timothy interviewed each other or maybe Har- Harry interviewed Timothy I can't remember um what publication that was but they they have a friendship and a, a kind of uh Obviously, the internet was clamoring for some sort of crossover event. So having Timothy play him, I thought, was a very smart move. And then having him come out with, like, the sweater and the big baggy pants that rode up too high. Like, it was just it was just one of those, like, like you were saying earlier, Tori. Like, if they hadn't done it, like, the internet would have revol- revolted. And I have a, a very, very good friend, Claire, who is, like, the resident Harry Styles fan in my life. And I just, like, immediately texted her and I was just like, Timmy playing Harry on SNL, like, cultural reset, this is the moment. Um, and it was just so cute and fun. And then, uh, Will, you, you, you messaged this to me. It, it just happened so fast, like, then he was gone. Yeah, well, that's, I feel like everything in the whole episode that Timmy was given was so brief. He never really played, like, the lead in a, in a live sketch. Like, he was always, like, in the ensemble of the, of the bit. Yeah. And I think it happens a lot on SNL for first-time hosts, especially first-time hosts that we tend... I mean, his professional career has largely been in dramatic movies. And so I think that sometimes if you're a first-time host, if you haven't proven to the general society your comedy chops, although look up Sweet Charity, y'all, um, I think that, yeah, it's... It, I, I think that SNL tends to play it safe when you're a first-time host who doesn't have Which those seems... chops. Which or, seems yeah. so. It's. I don't think that's to their benefit at all because. No, of course so not. So often it is the dramatic actors who go on SNL and they really prove themselves in incredible yeah. ways. So. Oh, Adam Driver! Like in that whole sketch, have you guys seen the teacher sketch with Adam Driver where he just fully yeah. commits, mm-hmm. and it's just so funny. And I, that's that's really funny you bring that up because I felt the entire time watching this episode like I need him to come back. Like I feel like actually if he comes back, I think we get an even yeah. stronger episode than this episode because I think you have to trust your host. Yeah, and it definitely felt like they like put training reels on him, and they're like, "All right, let's see how this goes." I did love the wink on uh, "Do It for Everyone," though. That that made me feel things. Uh, 
where he's like, I tend to do it for everybody. And then just winked <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. that's, there's, there he is. Yeah, no, I, yeah, so that was, try fun. as I might, I, I am not irresistible to the charms of Timothy as himself. So him playing Harry Styles as Harry Styles is very androgynous, uh, gender and sexually fluid self was very much doing it for me too. Um, and then, of course, having Chloe jump in and, and do her Timmy impersonation was a given, but still very enjoyable. You know, it's you know the it's best. coming, but you're still excited when you see it. And I do, I, everybody's talked about her impression, but I do think it is spot on and absolutely hysterical. And then what I wrote down in my notes that I noticed on the second watch is as she was leaving as Timothy, she, like, put her arms behind her back and, like, you know, grabbed her wrist with her other arm do you guys know our other hand do you know what i'm talking about like timothy does this when he walks he does this like you know he'll like kind of shuffle along and like grab his wrist with his other hand and the the when you do an impression of somebody that specificity is so important and so i loved that of course you know her talking and her you know doing the like no 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 is fantastic but as she's even leaving which shouldn't matter she's still in character and i just really appreciated that and that she found that specificity in timmy and was like yeah Yeah. we're gonna we're gonna you can imagine during the week she was like looking for mannerisms and things that she could use oh i'm sure just completely put that into her performance which was already as you said great but um yeah it was she she is definitely someone who you can just tell she's gonna have such a career with snl because she is so good at impressions like the range of impressions that she does is actually like astounding yeah she's really incredible so then, moving on from the Dionne Warwick talk show, I believe we then went into Tiny Horse. Is that correct? We went into Tiny Horse. Okay, and I'll just, I'll put it out there. Tiny Horse for me was Sketch of the Night. Um, I I loved it. Um, I feel like because we were so at odds with the Corona sketch, you're not going to like Tiny Horse Tori. <laughs> I keep going back and forth. I know I should like it, but I don't. <laughs> Sorry, Timothy Stans, because you're gonna rip me apart. I tried. I've watched Tiny Horse like four times since it come came out, and it's growing on me. And I hope to God, in like a week, I'm like, no, I was wrong. This is great, like I do with every one of the Ariana Grande's new albums. <laughs> but I, I was just, I was like, I know this is supposed to be funny. I, I don't know. I, I should I should keep quiet because I'm gonna I'm gonna no, get in trouble. No, but... I love I love when we disagree. It didn't work for me either. Um Ugh, I'm alone on Tiny I, Horse Island. You're alone on it. I mean I'm <laughs> glad that we get him singing. I think he's really I think he does a good job. Yes. I just think that something is missing. That was my feel for this whole episode is like he's great, writing's not. He's great, writing's not. And so, I don't know if yeah, I think I it's even part of the delivery, of the fact that if he went into the barn and there were other animals and like, and then like he gets <laughs> and like leading up to the tiny horse, it was just, something was off with the pacing for me that I, it's just not quite, it's not quite there. There. Yeah. What did kill me this morning when I watched it again was picturing Timothy going, get, get to an empty, yeah. like, set. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's actually what made me laugh this morning rewatching no. it was just him having to go, get on, horse, get on! 
but even like that, the timing of that went on for mm-hmm. too long. Right. And, and this is where I say again, like if we had had a responsive audience, they could have carried through. And it reminded me a lot of the Harry, actually Harry Styles, the Joan sketch. Do you guys remember that one mm-hmm. where he played AD Bryant's dog? Oh, yeah. Um, it reminded me a lot of that. And that sketch is one of my favorites that SNL has done in years. Like, I think that's a perfect, perfect uh, sketch. And I feel like Tiny Horse tried to be that. And again, whether it was the writing, the audience, I don't feel like it, it was. He's great. Timothy's great. I just feel like the sketch let him down. Yeah. I, I guess I guess is the only, the, the Tiny Horse stand in the room. And, and you know, I, I just said it publicly. <laughs> it was my favorite sketch of the night. I think probably what I responded to most was I do find the things I tend to like on SNL are the ones that just like on paper don't make sense and for you guys it probably still doesn't sure. and that's fine but there was something for me in the execution in the reveal that there was a tiny horse i i can't explain it i there's no de- i have no defense there's nothing i can say i just thought it was hilarious and i i loved it i thought it was funny and i was walking my dog today and i just kept singing it and I don't know. It filled I'm my not heart. Gonna, I liked it. I'm not. I'm not gonna yuck your yum, Dave. You can love the tiny horse. No, me love either. The tiny horse. It's like David Pumpkins. I love the David that's, Pumpkin sketch. There's other people who are like, "This is stupid and this makes no sense." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's yeah, why that's, it's great." Yeah, that's so high I totally art. get it. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what was cool is we got like a Bob Dylan, uh, like treat. We got like a a. a What's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, oh my goodness. A, like, reveal of what he will sound like, right. potentially. If and when we in, get to in... see Going Electric, because now James Mangold has to go make Indiana Jones 5 and put uh, Going Electric right. on hold. <laughs> which is a whole different conversation. Um, so then, Tiny Horse into, I think next was Weekend Update? Yeah, with the boss, and then Weekend Update. Yeah. I will say... The and maybe this is just something I don't notice because I'm normally not paying as close attention. It did feel like when they did the flashcard intros with his photos and then his intros of Bruce Springsteen, it felt so quick. Like yeah. those title cards flashed up for like a second, and normally I feel like you get to like sit with them for like they're a couple trying, seconds and like, really look at them. Yeah, they did. That did seem fast. Usually, like they're trying to buy some time, but. Right. And, like, we have the internet, so obviously they all exist and we can watch them, but I was really wanting to sit more with those and then they just, like, went away so quickly. Well, you'll you'll definitely sit with those more. I know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, oh, and we got we got hair in those transitions, too. We did, and the, and the hair it. looked great. His, we got normal hair. His hair looked, oh, it looked astounding. Great. It looked like he had, like, a little trim, um, you know, probably coming out of mm-hmm. quarantine lockdown, he was in the SNL makeup room, and they said, let's just, you know, fought this up a bit. Um, it felt like during when he was introducing Bruce Springsteen, they let the hair go in the face a bit more, whereas in the monologue, it was, like, up and back. Not, like, not like slicked, but it was a little kind of, like, pushed out of his face. But in uh, his, his his Bruce intros, they let it, they let it flop down a little bit. Uh, so he didn't appear in Weekend Update, so I don't want to give it too, too much credence. I guess I'll just let us go around the horn and say, uh, do we like or dislike Colin Jost? And uh, what was the highlight of Weekend Update, and why was it Melissa Villasenor as Dolly Parton? Um, I am indifferent to both um, Michael Shea and Colin Jost. They don't exist in my brain 
rent free at all. So, but um, yeah, Melissa, Melissa Villasenor, her Dolly, I mean her her Christmas on the Square look and her her singing, which at first I'm like, is she lip syncing? Like, no, that's coming out of her mouth. This is great. Yeah, I thought I thought she was lip syncing at first. I was like, holy shit, that's that's just Dolly Parton, and I was like, oh no, she is singing. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells. That's great. Oh. Yeah, Jolene. <laughs> yeah, I had the same thought. I was like, yeah, is she lip syncing? No, they wouldn't do that. Oh, that's actually her. And her her musical impressions are so good. And every time I think like, oh, she's not going to be able to do that person. And then she does. Um, in terms of Che and Jost, I, I like them. I'm not like in love with them, but I love their dynamic, especially every year when they like, give each other jokes to read and it's very funny because they always try to like trap each other and horrible shit so um i like their dynamic together again they just felt they feel tired i think everybody's just like 2020 everybody's just tired and even if you're married to scarlett johansson you're not on michael's so yeah yeah. don't make making this show right now (laughs) i think this is not the time yeah there is something like watching i'm kind of in between the two of you like they both exist they don't exist at all in my mind but at the same time i don't hate them as much as i think a lot of the internet hates them um i but and this is something they've always done but just watching it last night and maybe it's just being a little bit removed from watching the show week to week for a little bit but watching them laugh at their own jokes it just it it doesn't work for me like i I, when i think back to like the best weekend Mm -hmm. update hosts like your tina Fey's and your amy polars and your seth meyers like they weren't like in on the joke like michael che and and helen jose are constantly like laughing at their own jokes and not in a way where they think they're funny but in a way where they know that they're kind of uh, i don't know if embarrassing is the right word but like they know that the joke's kind of off color and that just kind of rubs me the wrong way watching weekend update like it no longer seems like smart comedy it seems like they're going for the low-hanging joke for me um I will say, though, too, that it, though Melissa Villasenor was MVP for Weekend Update, there was something I enjoyed about watching Kate McKinnon, like, purposefully break character and go off book. Like, at first I was like, I thought it was not planned, and then I clearly, like, it made sense that it was, like, written into the bit. That I thought that was kind of funny. I don't know exactly what they were trying to say, but it surprised me in a way that I enjoyed. Yeah, I think that's the second time that they've done that, because I think they did it with Kate a couple weeks ago. Okay. Um, yeah, and I feel, I mean, this is a larger conversation, but I feel like this, yeah, chuckling at your own jokes or, like, being aware of your own jokes is something, this, like, new comedic section that has been birthed now in the Trump era, because Seth Meyers now does this on his own show, you know, where it's like, there's, and for him, it's like, there's no audience Maybe his camera people are laughing, and so, like, he has to sometimes make these, like, self-aware snide remarks about his own jokes or about, you know, the team's own jokes. So I feel like that's happening more and more just with, like, the crazy audacity of the Trump administration, plus, in addition, this this element of COVID where not as many people are laughing because not as many people are there, and so maybe you just have to fill silence or maybe you just have to, like you yourself have to laugh at how crazy this shit is. Like, I feel like I've seen more and more of that in the past couple of years. Yeah. Agreed. So coming up after weekend update, I believe the next sketch was the, the baking show sketch again, another wig. Why? 
a wig and a hat. <laughs> we deserve better. It was it was the first time oh, it was like he was blonde. It was blonde. Yeah. I was gonna say it was dyed. It was like almost streak dyed, mm-hmm. and it was just yeah. Uh, he he yeah. has a great he has a great joke in this. Which one is that? The and Lightning I, McQueen. I got joke? hit by a car. <laughs> I <laughs> thank you. I, I I fought with Lightning McQueen at Disney World. Like, I have just Lightning McQueen in my notes as big as possible. I thought that was so funny. Joke. I laughed out that is loud. A good joke. And then the audience gave us nothing. Yeah. I was so angry. I was so mad. I I thought that was like one of the jokes of the night. Like I thought oh, it was yeah. so funny. I, yeah, I got hit by a car. I got in a fight. With the guy who played Lightning McQueen and like hands were going everywhere. I thought that was so funny. And again, audience was like, Haha. Yeah. That's they all we got. They weren't giving anything. Yeah, no, I I, I, I enjoyed that just because hearing Timothy Chalamet say Disney World is like on my life bingo. So <laughs> that was just really important to me, like as a person. So I don't even think I got to like clock the audience reaction to that joke because I was just like thinking, you know, whatever higher power exists above us that I got to hear. It was for you. It was for me, yes. It was specifically for me. I don't know which writer gifted it to me, but I thank them. Yeah, so obviously, like, I knew the bit in the sketch was going to be that the cake was going to be wrong, but having the cake fully be an anus was not what I was expecting. So I will give them points for, um, for surprising me, and, uh, I was going to say surprising and delighting me. I don't know if delighting is the word. Um, it was certainly ridiculous. Is what I'll say. Um, it was gross. Like once it started like puckering, <laughs> come on. Yeah. I mean, the first part was definitely like a sex dream I've had, and then the other part of it was just you know. I mean, yeah. could could yeah. this have been like a peach cake? You know. Right. That he gets kind of sucked into. I mean, yeah. I think him saying, "Yeah, my arm is caught," was like. That was for that was your Disney World. That was that was my equivalent. <laughs> I was just like, oh god. I really wanted though in this sketch because they've done some things like this before, where of course things go like horribly awry. And there was one I think where like oh I think it was James Franco and he got cut trying to wrap packages. Do you guys remember this from a couple years ago? And blood was spurting yes. everywhere. Yeah, didn't and it they, like and everyone it went all broke. over Leslie Jones or something. Yes, and it was so funny, and I wanted that with this. Yeah. Like, I honestly wanted him to get, like, a face full of brown liquid yeah. because I thought it would just lend itself to the sketch really well. Right. You're um, so right. It, it almost yeah. was like it, something needed to go wrong in order for it to go so ridiculous because, like, mm-hmm. it, was, it yeah. was a pretty far reach, and it got pretty gross. Like, it almost just, they just needed to be like, you know yeah. what? <laughs> We're going to turn that thing up and it's just going to, like, go in his face. Like, mm. I mean, clearly they wouldn't do that because, you know, yep. he has to be, like, ready for his next sketch. Uh, but, yeah, it almost just needed. Like, I wish they would have moved it to, like, the last sketch so they could have just, like, ruined his face and hair. And then he could have gone into, like, the outro yep. with, like, a hat on or something. But clearly they had to save his precious yeah. face for later. Yeah, just turn the dial way up. Right. And then there was, yeah, just like some of the other ske- or some of the other jokes that, um, that yeah, the other cast members like. I thought they were funny, and again, didn't land super well. So, yeah. I'll give him credit again, though. There was very like little to no cue card reading yes. in this sketch again. Yeah. Like 
a lot of, especially first time hosts, like you can very clearly see when they are reading off cue cards. Like it's, it's just, you know, their, their line of sight's not correct mm-hmm. or, you know, they're, they're very, they're flubbing up their lines. And I feel like he was just on top of it the entire night, but I feel especially this sketch, like he did all of the cake explaining mm-hmm. all of the, the, you know, the interaction with all of the judges seemingly off book, yeah. which I thought was really impressive. No, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up. Cause it's something that I almost gloss over when I think about it myself, because it's like, it just should be, I shouldn't have to think about him reading off the cue cards. And it's just one of those things that you right. don't think about until there's that host that is clearly reading off a cue card and for him to not do it it's just it seems like it should be you know the bare minimum and you know it's part of the job but he's like we said he's such a consummate actor that he just you're right like there's parts of that bit where he's like shoulder up to that fucking cake yeah. butthole and his head is down and he's like saying his <laughs> lines and i'm just like wow he's he, he's off book he knows the script yeah, and there was a time, I think, where he and Cecily were talking, and they were actually kind of, like, talking over each other, which was clearly a mistake, because we know that's not supposed to happen on SNL, but it actually worked. Yeah. Like, I feel like it it actually made the bit better, because it felt more organic. Because, again, he's not reading off his cue cards, or if he is, he's he's not looking like he is. So, yeah, yeah I appreciated that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was... I think I liked that sketch. It just... It's that one that it ends... Like, I and, you know... I feel like when you're watching SNL, like, you know, it's like, it's like after seeing like a movie trailer in, in a movie theater, like the trailer ends and you turn to the person you're with and you're like, that was good. Or you're like, mm, that was bad. So I feel like after every sketch, I would turn to my boyfriend and we'd say like, mm, it was okay. Or like, mm, that was good. We turned to each other after that one and we were like, hmm. Like I almost, yeah. I, I wasn't like ready to have a reaction because I was still processing what I, I was sitting with what I heard and I still might be, I'm not sure. And we haven't still haven't discussed the fact that his sweet, sweet mom is oh, in the audience, yeah. which almost made me cry in the monologue where he just talked about, like, I wouldn't be acting without my mom. I'm like crying just talking <laughs> about like, I wouldn't be acting without my mom. And like, she's here tonight. And like, that was so sweet. And also, I couldn't help but think, oh, he's going to have to, he's talking about oral sex in front of his mom. He's, you know, putting his hand in a butthole cake <laughs> in front of his mom. And of course, like. Who cares? But it was also kind of funny to yeah. me that all of this is done in front of his mom live. Right. <laughs> it's like, and sure, in his mind, he's probably still a little embarrassed by it. But at the same time, she's probably seen Call Me By Your Name. So she knows what her son is capable of doing oh, of course. with food. So, you know, the gig is up. She knows what's going on. Of course. Nicole's got it. She's good. <laughs> uh, okay, so next, I believe, was the 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 rap talk show. Sketch? The XXL Rap Roundtable. XXL Rap Roundtable, of course. How could I forget that long and confusing title? <laughs> um, this was also... So, one of the things that, you know, it, like like death and taxes, something inevitable is that as SNL goes on into the night, the sketches get weirder and weirder. And you know they always save their weirdest shit for last. So, I remember watching this last night and thinking like oh we're coming up on uh i'm watching it on eastern time so we're coming up on 1 a.m like we're getting into the weird shit so on the scale of kooky sketches i thought this one was funny and you know we we knew going into this episode he was gonna rap like it was gonna happen i thought it was a cute twist on it to make him do like a tiktok-esque rap and obviously as we know you know the the pete davidson and timothy chalamet buddy comedy was was going on well into the night 
I thought this was funny. Um, I wish it would have been a more, like, of a full rap. Like, I wish they'd given him, like, a full, like, you know, like, his Hell's Kitchen, Homeland, Homeland. Like, I wanted the whole thing, and we just kind of got, like, a TikTok bit, which was fine, yeah. but, um... You know, it, it was cute. It was fun. And, you know, we got to watch Questlove slap the shit out of him. So that was cool. Yeah. We went from Little Tim to Smoke Cheddar the Ass Getter, <laughs> which I made sure to write down. How could you not? Obviously, to get it obviously right. Tori, I'm not sure if you're a person yeah. who, who gets tattoos, but how could that not be next on your on your thing to get inked on yourself is Smoke Cheddar the Ass Getter? Oh, I mean, on my face, too, to really go with the sketch. Just on my cheek. Right. No, and I loved, and the internet com- did this comparison beautifully, but we obviously had, you know, pink Timmy, pink-haired Timmy in high school, mm-hmm. you know, talent show compared with, you know, pink-haired Timmy right. on SNL, which I appreciated. And then just the, the moment he was just full Bill Hader, and you can actually tell that they had rehearsed this and that he could not get through Pete Davidson saying, you know, complaining about his mom without laughing. So he just does the full face cover (laughs) and you can still hear his laugh in the mic. Like he's still laughing and you can tell because his hands went right there. It was like, it was planned. They were sitting there in rehearsal and they're like, okay, dude, you're clearly not going to be able to get through this. So just Bill Hader it and just cover your whole face. (laughs) And hopefully we won't pick up you laughing. Because that was my favorite part, where just Pete Davidson goes off, and you just don't see Timothy anymore. He's just like, nope, I can't keep it together. And I, I love that in that, even though he's covering his face, he's still, like, swinging his body around. So he's still, like, right. it's not like he just, like, <laughs> right. covered his face and went away. He's... It's intentional. Right. Oh. Yeah, it's like it's like a move. The other, the yeah. other unintentional I... thing that made me crack up in that sketch was at one point he, like, throws his arm out, and his arm is just so skinny and tiny, and I was like, this I little... Know. This little twig, twig of a man. A pee. <laughs> I was, I just like, I think about that, and I think about like whatever physical stuff we're gonna have to watch him do in Dune, and I'm just like, was he okay? Like, did he have any muscles? Oh, and the king. <laughs> I'm like, you're wearing like this this chain link armor, and you're like ninety pounds wet. I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then him referencing uh his his um influences being fallout boys and the the car rats aka the kia hamsters (laughs) which just kind of killed me i thought that was very funny um and then of course you discover that yeah they they just know hip-hop these two white boys know hip-hop from from tiktok yeah that was that was great uh will did you have any thoughts on uh uh, re- refresh my memory on it, uh, Tori. Cheddar, Cheddar. What was his name? Oh, Smoke, Smoke Cheddar, the Ass Getter, and all of the ERs are spelled with A's. Okay. So Smoke Cheddar, the T H A Ass Getter. Got it. Uh, right. Will, any thoughts on on that? Uh, ye. Skirt, skirt. Ye. Yeah, Pete, I, I just have my notes, Pete just skirt and then underlined an exclamation point where he just like yells skirt and then Timmy just cracks up laughing was one yeah. of my favorite parts of the movie. I was amused. I liked it. Okay. <laughs> that's all there is to say. That, that's, that's all the glowing reviews for uh, Smoke Cheddar, the ass getta. Um, <laughs> then I, th- I think that then we go into the, well, so we got Bruce again. 
we got another Timmy intro. Was it the first or the second uh, Bruce intro where he was wearing the acid wash jeans? Not acid wash, but they had like the acid stains on them. I think it was the first intro. That was a, that was a look I really liked. I think it was the first two of the. Yeah, I think it was the of first the two. intro looks and then uh, the like promotional looks. Uh, I think my favorite, excuse me, was those jeans. And then in one of the um, one of the title cards, he is like falling off of a chair and he has a Louis Vuitton sweater that's like multicolor on top with like a quarter zip. Oh, I just. I was, like, zooming in on the sweater on Twitter, and I was like, oh, I need this sweater. And then I saw it was Louis Vuitton, and I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I I loved that also just because we know that he has a history of falling out falling out of chairs very <laughs> dramatically. Yeah. And I think we got another promo image where I had to do a double take because, speaking of my cardboard cutout, we had almost this exact yes. outfit. We had the exact Venice, Venice Film Festival premiere look. Right. But less fancy. Yes, okay. It was less of a suit. But I had to do a double take because actually I think you shared it on your Instagram story. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. I had to like zoom in on that one. And like, I was like, did he bring that out of retirement? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Right. So, so it's the Venice look from the premiere of The King last fall, uh, yeah. which is what your, your beautiful cardboard of him uh, is, is the photo. <laughs> yeah. In that, in that promotional still where it's like, it's like he's, it's like six different times. It's almost like a motion capture of him like in he's almost doing yeah. a spin or something it is like a uh like almost flowy like i don't even know what color to call that suit from venice it's like silver but it's silver it's, it just looks like it was like spun you know translucent the gods like spinning wheel it's like there's just no color or feeling to it it's just it's just like fabric as fabric was intended to be draped on his bony little body um, but yeah, it looked exactly like that suit. <laughs> I was definitely like, did he reuse that for the SNL promo? Um, so yes, that was some of his title cards. And then I think we get into the last sketch of the night, which was Sportsmax. The only, the only, the only note that I wrote about Sportsmax was, um, he gets really veiny necked when he screams in this. I did not <laughs> notice very, that. Like, oh, I'm gonna have to go uh, back and watch. I, I have very pronounced, very pronounced yeah. neck veins. Just getting ah. Uh. Interesting. Um, I, I, Interesting. I, I famously, like I said, did not take notes. However, if I did, my one note would have been Hitler mustache. Um, I know it was not. Oh God. An exact Hitler mustache, but. He is famously not a grower of facial hair, and when he does, we've seen hostels. We've seen it's prepubescent at best. So and it's bad. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it was so I hate bad. It. it. I think I would have taken any of the wigs that he had to put on, any of the looks, if we could just get rid of that mustache. It, and you know, I'm I'm letting it color my. I I didn't love the Sports Max sketch. Um, <laughs> I I under I appreciated what they were doing, obviously with you know the Trumpism and how people are just kind of making up their own facts and whatnot. I liked the idea, however, like I was saying about um the previous sketch, I love, even though it can be so hit or miss, I love at the end of the night at SNL that they just throw fucking spaghetti at the wall and it could just be the most bonkers yeah. out of left field sketch and i just felt like this wasn't that necessarily so i think i was looking for something a little kookier um 
Yeah, this felt like a a second of the night kind of sketch. Mm-hmm. This did not feel like an end of the night sketch because especially it was you know it's topical. It's about politics. This this was like I think better slotted where the coronavirus family was mm-hmm. or where what was the the sketch after that uh, the Diane Warwick mm-hmm. one was like it yeah it just felt it felt like a weird placement for yeah. it. Yeah. Like, last sketch of the night is, like, when they let, like, Kate McKinnon be the cat woman who was, like, selling the cats. You know that right. referring sketch? Um, yes. I had to yell. I was, like, yelling at him while I was watching it of just, like, leave your mustache alone. <laughs> like, because he touched it, like, six different times. And I'm like, honestly, honey, this is going to be funnier if you just let it fall right. off. <laughs> so, he can, like, you saw him immediately. The first, the first clip of him that you see in that sketch is him, like, touching his mustache and then you see it again and I think he does it like two more times and then by the end like the mustache is coming off anyway and it was just it was kind of sweet where it was like it felt like high school mm-hmm. production of this sketch where it was like my mustache is coming off and I'm gonna very like subtly fix it but it's not subtle mm-hmm. at all and just that mustache it gave me very like gym teacher vibes like I was like oh that was that is my high school gym teacher right um it definitely, like, we we talked about how he was kind of playing, um, like, Beck Bennett's son for, like, half the sketches, but when they do have him, like, yeah. play an adult, you're like, mm, this isn't working, you need to go back to, you need to go back to playing children, because we're just not buying you in a mustache yet. Well, and he, again, we had Pete Davidson, Timothy Chalamet comedy duo, and I appreciated that Pete Davidson's literally just sitting there, not giving a fuck, eating, like, so many french fries and just stuffing his face with french fries and um yeah and again timmy completely committed to the sketch and i think it made it funnier um i don't know if the audience agree yeah. <laughs> like i thought again the the like the the premise of this sketch was funny it was like this completely made up news network where yeah suddenly the jets are the best football team in the nfl because we decided you know decide it so mm-hmm. um but not a lot of engagement yeah no that's it's it's so it's just like the running through line of this whole episode is was the audience there like were they and i get like by the last (laughs) sketch of the night like it's 1 a.m in new york like i'm sure they're tired we're all dealing with pandemic depression we're all dealing with seasonal depression like i'm sure they wanted to get out of there but they just weren't doing the cast any they they weren't giving them anything to play off of which is the entire impetus of live theater is you know that interaction and just was not happening And something I actually didn't think about till now, and again, I think it's just because of COVID, you have smaller audiences and you have people who are not visiting New York. But I know when Harry Styles or some sort of like, yeah, internet heartthrob is on the show, typically half of the audience is like diehard fans, typically women who are like there to scream their heads Mm -hmm. off for Harry Styles or Robert Pattinson back in the day or, you know, insert, insert internet boyfriend here. Yeah, like a Harry Styles uh, episode from, from, you know, last year. People were screaming their heads off. Right. And you just, you didn't have that. Yeah. But in any other, if we had this not during COVID, you would have had the same experience with that audience. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. This would have been a much different episode a year ago or a year from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Like if this had happened during like the Little Women promotional tour and we'd gotten like a Sersha cameo, like, can you imagine? Yeah. Oh. Completely different episode. Especially since... 
I mean, he's not really promoting anything, right? No, I'm sure they. I'm sure they he's... booked him because they thought maybe June would be coming out, and I. I don't think they booked that far in advance. I think it was he lives in New York. Yes. He's he's available. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like let's let's book and him. I, I had kind of gotten the feeling he was going to host because I want to say, almost a year ago, if not a little bit less or a little bit more. He posted something on his Instagram story where he was backstage at SNL, so I kind of got the feeling that he was maybe gearing up to host. I think that was when Cuddy was there, right? Because yeah, probably. So I I had seen a couple of tweets from last night that actually Cuddy was either in the audience or like around okay. Rockefeller Center last night too to like support him. Yeah. So I had heard that yeah he was there for Cuddy and Cuddy was there for him okay. last night. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, I think it was just a thing where, like, he's in New York, like, he's, like, he said in his monologue, like, he's a New York kid, like, it just makes sense from the host, and, you know, Timothy Stans have been clamoring for him, or clamoring for him to host, and are clamoring for any sort of content in this draught of a year that is 2020. Um, and, you know, hopefully, as things have, hopefully, knock on wood, improve, we get, um, I think from the Disney Investor call, we should be getting an announcement about French Dispatch probably going up on Hulu. And then hopefully by the time October rolls around, we'll actually be able to see Dune on the big screen. But who knows? I don't want to make any guesses at this point and jinx us. Yeah. And I think they've said that even if you can't make it in theaters, I think that's part of the Warner Brothers partnership that they're releasing it in homes on the same day they're releasing it. Right, which is, that's, I want to bring that up, talking about the outro, because he was wearing a legendary sweater, which is, so Legendary is the production company behind Dune, Um, and so part of that deal, Tori, that you were were talking about is uh, Warner Brothers announced that I think, like, their entire 2021 slate was going to debut in theaters and on HBO Max same day. So we're talking like Matrix 4, we're talking Dune, Wonder Woman's going to do it. So in response to that, um, and, and the, the kind of intel that came through was all of the production companies, because Warner Brothers is the distributor, um, the production companies were only warned like 30 minutes before that announcement was made. So there was kind of a backlash against some of those production companies and not because they don't want people to be safe and necessarily, you know, they don't want people to have to risk going out and seeing a movie in theaters during COVID, but it was just kind of like the lack of conversation between the production company and the distribution company and the fact that they weren't warned. So in response to that, um, Denis Villeneuve, who's the director of Dune, wrote um, a piece, like he wrote it himself, like he didn't just get interviewed, like he wrote a piece that went up in Variety, totally critiquing Warner Brothers for the decision and talking about how, you know, Dune is the best thing that he's ever done, and, you know, it deserves to be seen on the big screen, it's not going to turn a profit if people can't go see it in theaters, which obviously is predicated on whether theaters are, you know, safe to go to or not, like that's kind of beside the point. Um, so seeing him wear the legendary sweater at the end, to me, was a signal that he was in support of uh, Denny and, and the production company wanting to make sure that um, people can see the movie in theaters, but obviously do it safely. And I mean, and that was like his whole closing message was his his repetition of saying, you know, treat people with kindness. And you know, he 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 bungled the delivery a bit, which was just kind of cute and so in line with who he is, which you know is adorable. Classic to me. It was just it was just so it, like we've talked about this whole time. For the whole night, he was like at his job and he was like at work and he was like doing the actor thing and then it came time for the monologue and we saw him like tripping over his words and like not knowing what to say or what to do and like there's like little i love watching uh 
the credits roll on SNL and like watching them interact and he's like jumping around and just like being himself. So it was just it was fun to watch him like turn off Timothy the actor and now he was like Timothy, holy shit, I just toasted SNL, you know. And I'm only twenty four, almost twenty five years old. So I, I liked being able to see that that uh shine out of him once he he'd gotten the job done. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah, it was just classic. It was classic Timmy. It was like it was Timothy and now we're we're at, now we're back to Timmy. And Absolutely. yeah, we got we got snapshots of that every time he broke cuz he broke in every sketch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he broke in every sketch. I think maybe except the cake one which was ironic. But um yeah, so we got snippets of that, but I think you're exactly right where yeah, he was there to do a job and then was like Okay, I'm gonna do some sort of outro message. I'm kind of gonna flounder mm-hmm. because that's who I am, but I'm still gonna get my point across, and I'm gonna look amazing doing it, of course, right. and have a good night. Yeah, it was it was funny yeah. when he he said I think he said something to the degree of like, uh, oh, they only gave me like thirty seconds, and I didn't really plan what I was gonna say, and he like pauses, and I was like, is he gonna say something crazy? Is he gonna say like fuck Warner Brothers or something? Like, I was like ready for some sort of like weird, mm. like I thought he was gonna like have a whole moment, and then he was just like. Uh, I have a famous friend, and he has this phrase: "It's treat each, treat each other with kindness." And I just want to say that. Okay, bye. Well, and I love, I love. I didn't know that that was attributed. I'm sure people have said treat people with kindness before Harry Styles, but <laughs> it was really cute where he was like, "Oh yeah, my friend who I just impersonated two seconds ago, treat people with kindness." <laughs> All right, have a good night, everybody. Like it was, yeah, it was kind of funny. Right. It was just classic yeah. like he like realizes he's about to quote harry styles and then has to openly acknowledge oh yeah i just i just impersonated him an hour ago right he couldn't <laughs> just like and it, he like which is so something that like we know and he doesn't have to say but of course he has to say it because he feels awkward not which is just totally in line yeah. with with who he is and how we how we see him as the star he is uh so like we said you know let, let's do some peach ratings but we can kind of talk on the fly a bit so let's see I think we can give, we can talk his performance, we can talk the episode, and I mean, God, I, 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 like, I, like I alluded to earlier, we don't really need to speak to his, his role, just because, you know, he, he's the host, that's what he does, but I, I guess we can talk the hair and his attractiveness, but it's gonna be odd to grade on that curve, because I, I guess, Tori, I'll, I'll leave it up to you, I'm not sure how I'm gonna let the wigs factor into my decision, it almost doesn't feel fair. Yeah, it's, um, I'm honestly trying to think for me, for me, it just comes down to like two basic categories, which was like, how was he in the episode and how was the episode all of it, Okay, you know? So like for, for me, like, yeah, great in the episode. I feel like he showed up, he did everything he needed to do, fully committed to his bits, was really, really great. I think, would I consider this to be a great episode if it was anybody else? To be honest, no. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't that memorable. The writing, again, wasn't that great. I sound like a broken record, but for me, like, the audience and the writing really let him down. Yeah. And so it's like it's like going to see, like, a play. Actually, this is what I feel. Uh, controversial opinion. I don't like Into the Woods. I think it's a terrible musical. <laughs> it drives me crazy. I think it's awful. But I can show up to a production of Into the Woods and be like, these people in this part are amazing. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the musical of Into the Woods. And for me, that's what happened. It's like, he's great. He's amazing in the part that he plays or in the, you know, the multiple parts that he Mm -hmm. played. Was the the framework great? 
I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. And and I'll I'll let you give official peach ratings here. Um, I so let's let's yeah. start let's start with that. No, and we're, we're we're totally in line. I think we're you know even though we kind of disagree here and there on what the strong sketches were and weren't, I think we're totally in alignment on our feelings. Um, yeah, I I'd say for the episode itself, uh, I'm waffling between like two and a half or three peaches because. It like you're so right. It's it's if it wasn't him, I probably would be more harsh. But I was just, and, and I think there is something to say. His performance elevates the material. You know, we we talk about that. Totally. We we've talked about that with so many of his movies that aren't very good. He's always there, elevating what he can. So I think I think I'll say three peaches with the caveat and asterisks that half of that is the tide rising because Timothy brought up the the quality of the episode yeah and for me all i mean i'm gonna be a little little less kind and probably say like two to two and a half Mm -hmm. because and again i don't want people to come for me i am fully in support of him i think he was fantastic i just yeah you can only do so much with the material that you're given and i feel like they should have trusted him more to be able to yeah handle more because i think he could have i think he could have driven more of the episode rather than just kind of yeah, the, like you guys said, the kind of ensemble roles that he that he was playing typically throughout the episode. Yeah. So, yeah. Are we doing just episode, right? Yeah. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just... Yeah, so I would say like two, two and a half. Yeah. I feel, again, I feel like if this was anybody else, it probably wouldn't have been an episode that I even watched. Oh, like I would yeah. have maybe seen a clip or two and then been like, no, nah, I don't need to watch the rest of the sketches. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm okay. Yeah, no. I, I think the, the average between the two of us saying it's a two and a half is a very fair rating for the episode and let me just say blanket statement i'm sure i've said this on the show before if any timothy stands are mad because we're critiquing something that wasn't very good that he was in you're probably listening to the wrong show because he's been in some bad stuff and i i for one am not afraid to talk about it (laughs) so if you want to go after tori for giving it a two out of five peaches (laughs) go ahead and tag me too because we we got to talk about some real shit that he's been in and you can't excuse that away Hey man, I appreciate that. Thank you for yeah. No. Thank you for for lumping us together here. But yeah, I just yeah, I it's it's there you can only do it's like, you know, Star Wars episode 3. We had some great actors. We had some terrible writing. You can only do so much, right. you know. So, Absolutely. yeah. So then moving on to some kinder words, I'm sure. Um his performance, you know, we've covered it, we've said it. He he seemed to be off his cue cards. He took it seriously. He he played it, you know, like we said, I think it shined out most in the, the Corona family sketch. He played it straight because he knew that's how the comedy would come out. So I really think, though the material didn't always rise to his occasion, he's really great in us, like in in that format. And I it makes me excited to see. And I don't want to grade him on the, you know, on the notion that he could be great on a later episode. I want to, you know base it in this performance but i i give him a four out of five i thought that he he showed up and he did the job and he was funny and he was committed and even when the audience was giving him nothing to work with and the writing really wasn't top notch i thought he i thought he brought the goods yeah i thought the same thing and uh i would say four out of five too and even though tiny horse wasn't my favorite sketch like the only reason i think it worked is because he committed to it 
Like, again, the acting was, this is a straight dramatic sequence of me giving up my horse. And what's funny about it is not Timothy. What's funny about it is, of course, the horse is tiny and ridiculous. So, like, that's a perfect example where, again, we committed. We had had full commitment from him. And it ends up working because because he committed fully to it. So, yeah, I would would agree. I would say four out of five. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the hair and, and the looks and the attractiveness were sometimes hampered by uh, high school haircut wigs and um, <laughs> brown gelatinous goo and, you know, uh, questionable uh, tattoos and nail polish. But, you know, when when he was out of all that shit, five out of five on the hair and the looks. He's he's hot as hell. When he honestly like I can't even factor in any other look from the show when he when he ran out of that door in that red jacket in the hair back, like, I was like, it's over. Five out of five. All the peaches in the world. Yep. (laughs) No, that's literally how I felt, too. I always get, I get so excited to see anybody hosting SNL because it is such, like, uh, it's it's what a lot of people dream about, and I think that there is that moment when you rush out of the door and, like, the show's about to start. Like, for me as an actor, like, I can put myself in somebody's shoes and be like, gosh, your heart's got to be pounding, but you have to be, like, so excited because you're about to go through two hours that you're really not going to remember. Like, it's about to be one of the most potentially momentous occasions of your life, and you're barely going to remember it because it's going to go so quickly. And so, like, my heart was like that I was so in that moment with him of just like oh gosh I hope he does well he looks amazing and his mom's here and I was just so excited for him and of course he walks out looking amazing and I forgot how good red looks on him I don't know why I feel like we haven't seen him in red in a while and he comes out in red and like my heart stopped and I was like all right he'll he's gonna be fine he's gonna be fine So, yeah, I, I completely agree. He especially, yeah, walked out in the monologue and I was like, yeah, he looks he looks amazing. And I'm just so excited. for Right. Him. Yeah. Which is why I think even if the episode was is so so as it was like, it was just so exciting to, to just think like, you're right. Like he's he's having the time of his life and no matter what happens, like he's having a great time. And that's all that matters. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And just, yeah, the feeling that you have to have just hosting this really, the, yeah, the show with that reputation and also just, yeah, it's about to be a really funny, crazy experience for the next, yeah, two, two and a half hours. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't know how long we're going to have to wait for, so I, I know they, they bring hosts back, you know, more, John Mulaney hosts twice a year at this point. Which I'm, you know, I you, know. you get to double dip. <laughs> I mean, hopefully we get more Timothy soon. I do. <laughs> yeah, and you can't see this, but the one sticker I have on my laptop is a sticker of John Mulaney and Timothy Chalamet, and John Mulaney saying, "I'm taller than the boy." <laughs> so that is, they're they're like they're my two my two favorites. That is that's yeah. a love so, a yeah, lovely been... image to keep you company as you as you uh, as you work from home as I assume you have to now. <laughs> yep. No, it's perfect. And yeah, I mean, even again, uh, uh, and the John Mulaney sketch or the John Mulaney episode, I love him. Uh, you know, I love him and Timothy so much. And I thought that that was John Mulaney's weakest episode. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we're taking for me, if I'm taking anything from recapping this episode, it's like, it's not really it's not Timmy. It's not any of the guests. I feel like it's just and I don't really blame the writers either. Mm-hmm. It's just I think we're all tired. Like 2020 has been a hard year on everybody. Right. And so yeah, it's just it it feels it feels like a different show right now just because everything is so different. Yeah. So, at this point, yeah. at this point uh showing up is like, you know, 80% of the work. So, 
having them show up and actually put on the show is about as much as we can expect from them at this point. So hopefully yeah. by the time we get uh, a second hosting job, there's no pandemic and we are uh, back at the top of our game. <laughs> but for now, this is and, probably and the best we're in the audience. Day. We're in the audience. Exactly. Taking a trip out there. Oh, absolutely. Oh, well. Don't even. I almost if, like started tearing up. That's so if we're, so if amazing. We're making spirit boards. <laughs> let's go big. Yes. Oh, let's do yes. it. Let's do it, baby. Twenty twenty. I, I'll I'll be realistic. Twenty twenty two. Meet up. Meet up in New York. Maybe Art. Maybe Army will be back on Broadway. We'll do a double dip. Uh, stage door Army, and then uh, go see Timothy on SNL, and and we'll all be happy again, and we'll have something to celebrate. Sounds like a plan. Perfect. Well, Tori, thank you so, so much for being on the show. It almost feels silly to thank you, given how badly you wanted to be here, but I'm still going to thank you. <laughs> because it's... You're welcome to. Yes, please. For, the forced friendship is so, so welcome and so appreciated. Um, it's been so great to have you on. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And I, it's just, yeah, I love that... Um, that we can connect over the internet, having never met uh, each other over this 24-year-old little lanky, lanky, beautiful actor who we've also never met. Exactly. So, internet's a crazy, crazy <laughs> place. If only he knew the connections he was helping us forge. It, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I know. I love it. Uh, Tori, can you, I know you talked about it a bit at the top of the show, but can you let everybody know uh, where they can find you on the internet and what kind of services and advice and guidance you can offer them? I so appreciate it. Yeah, I run Her First 100K. So if you just go to at Her First 100K, H-E-R-F-I-R-S-T, 100K, or HerFirst100K.com, you can find me. I help you save money, pay off debt, invest, and uh, in all of my courses, you can expect at least one Timothy Chalamet reference and or GIF. So that's pretty much a guarantee at this point. Okay. So If yeah. that's not a selling point, I don't know what is. I mean, getting out of credit card <laughs> Ex- debt, sure. Learn how to pay off debt? <laughs> Exactly, and see a picture of of Timmy fucking a peach. Never a bad idea. (laughs) Amazing, that is incredible. And um, you have you have a very. It's very funny. Um, I I meant to drop this in earlier, and it totally spaced my mind. Um, it was so funny when I announced you were going to be on the episode. uh, A former guest, Helen Bogus, who was on our Men, Women, and Children episode, messaged me and was like. I follow her on TikTok. Oh my God, she's going to be on the show. Oh, I didn't know that. That's so know sweet. Know already that the, the Chasing Chalamet listeners and the people in my personal circle are, are very invested in your in your business. So that is incredible. So again, Tori, thank you so, so much. Hopefully we can have you on again sometime in the future and we will have our eventual meetup in New York City where uh, we will watch Timothy host live and the internet will probably hate the episode, but we'll eat it up because we're finally back in person in a crowd of people and we're watching live comedy, which just can't be beat. Thank you so much for having me. That sounds that sounds ideal. That'll get me through. That'll get me through these next couple months. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Dane McDonald. The show is on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, we are at Chalamet Chasing and on Instagram at Chasing Chalamet. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email at chasingchalamet at gmail.com, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you're so inclined, consider giving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Share this uh, podcast with your friends, your family, anyone in your life who needs a little bit more Timothy Chalamet. And let's be honest, who doesn't need that? 
right now. Chasing Chalamet is written, hosted, and produced by me, Dane McDonald. The show is also produced and edited by Will Bybee. Our theme music is by Jacob Horn. You can hear more from him and his band, the Jacob Horn Trio, on Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp. Our cover art, as always, was designed by the lovely Jessica Deal. You can find more of her work at jessicadeal.com. Deal is spelled D-E-A-H-L. And until next time, later. <laughs>